Welcome to Adventure On Outdoors, where we talk about adventuring outside your daily 9 to 5. We're two ordinary guys exploring the outdoors, all while balancing a family life and the demands of a regular job. So join us in our pursuit of adventure and enjoy our conversations with others who share the same passions. On this episode of Adventure On Outdoors, Mike, Luke, and I sit near the Angelina River to discuss the ins and outs of the Devil's River. We dive into the hazards, necessary gear, and fishing tactics that make for rewarding adventure. The Devil's River is a spring-fed oasis located in the Trans-Pecos region of Texas and home to a large and spectacular waterfall that only adds to its beauty. The remoteness and the incredible fishery are all highlighted by its pristine waters where you can enjoy this river by camping in the state natural area or take a seven-day paddle expedition spanning more than 47 miles of breathtaking water. This river is special to us and many others, and it is important that we all protect our access through conservation and respect. I hope you find this info and that on our website helpful in planning your next kayaking trip. So, we've been getting a lot of questions regarding the Devil's River, planning trips out there, how-tos, whys. Um, especially with a lot of the publicity from Yeti um, video, Robert Field and a bunch of others have been putting out a lot of good videos, and we've just been getting a ton of questions about it. So uh, today we I got Luke here, been on the river. Mike, uh, been on the river several times. Uh, I've been out there quite a few, and we just kind of want to just go over the ins and outs. We, we did put in a, a lot of info on our webpage that gives you phone numbers, links, websites, hotels, all the different things that just how to get there kind of stuff. But, you know, it, it's sometimes a little more difficult than that when you just click on the website. It kind of gives you this broad thing, get some permits. Well, we just want to go a little bit more in depth on a few things. So... First off, um, when you go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife, the Devil's River has a permitting system. Um, We've gone with it and we've gone without it. The biggest change with it is it allows it to be a little bit more controlled and gives you accesses you didn't have prior to that. So there's, but on the other end, it allows, there's more people that are on the river. A lot more people. Yeah. Uh, the permits are good. It keeps the river. I mean, it keeps the river safe for everybody. It allows people to be known where they are because it is a remote river, and um, it's it's just one of those things. Is, is there a limit to how many permits they allow at a certain time? Yeah, they they give twelve permits per day to paddlers. So that means you could 12? have yeah twelve. It, it's a lot. I mean, when you really think about it, it's now, a lot. Of tell people. me this. Could you buy all 12? Even if you've only got like four guys in your group? Well, let me let me <laughs> tell you this. If you if you had 12 guys that were going to go with you on the river, absolutely you could get 12 permits for that. And if people fall off, fall, at, fall off at the end of the trip and they don't want to show up, well, you have an open space, and that's one less person on the river. <laughs> now, now it does cost money to do all of that. So we're not we're not suggesting <laughs> that necessarily people 
cheat the system and buy no. extra permits. Uh, no, that's wrong. It limits the access to other people. But, I mean, get you a group and go out there. But speaking of groups, the 12 people is a lot of people on that river. The river isn't a very wide river, you know. Um, that puts a lot of pressure. So if you're the slowest paddler on that trip, you would expect to catch a lot less fish than the first guy that's on that river. <laughs> yeah, because since, since the permitting system's been in effect, well, I've been down twice. Right. So the first time, we hammered them. Second time, when the permit system was enacted, we still hammered them, but we only caught, like, dinks. Yeah, we caught a lot of dinks that trip. But so they're, they're, they're yeah, they, they still hold... Cons. Yeah, there's, they still hold a lot of fish, but there's a lot of pressure. You could have a group of 12 the day before, and you could have a group of 12 the day after. So you have to think that there's always somebody coming in, and I've, and I've heard a lot of things that the permits are going quick. A lot of the weekends are booked already, and it's starting to get further and further away when you start planning. So it's a it's something you really have to think about when planning a trip. So what, in your opinion, is the best time? Because I know the first time we went, our first trip was in, what, April? March. We, we March. went the spring trip. Yes, in the spring, and then the second trip we went in October. And we went in October. So what? when's the best time to go for, like, river, river levels, weather, all that? Okay, so there's pros and cons to it all. I think spring, by far, if you're a bass fisherman, that's when you want to go fishing. The river levels are typically good coming in off the winter fronts and stuff. That's where those northerns come through. Dump water in, fill up the reservoirs. They're not pumping out a lot for farming and different things. So the river's a lot. Um, it's typically higher in the spring. The springs are full. So because it is a spring-fed river, it's strictly spring-fed. So it's, it's, the aquifers are full. The river's full. Um, October is also the same thing. It's the start of that. Temperatures can be tricky that time of year. But uh, the weather isn't as big a factor as, say, spring when you have to worry about flash floods mm-hmm. um, and then the storms. Cool and also, it's, you know, it's for Texas, it's at an elevation, a higher elevation, so your nights are cool. Your days could be warm, could be – we that trip we went, it was 30 degrees that one night. Yeah, we had ice. ice in our kayaks. We had yeah. ice that morning. And when we went in October, it was – it was relatively warm the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you're in flip-flops and shorts, but flip-flops aren't recommended. But, you know, um, so th- first off, you got to go over to web webpage called Texas Park and Wildlife, get your permits, plan your days. I think that, uh, I mean, for me. Can you go in the winter, though? I mean, like, is it wise to even yeah, try you to go, go in the winter? You but, can go. But middle of the summer is just ridiculously too hot, right? No, fishing's good. It's really, really hot, and there is no shade on that river. There's no trees there. Yeah. I mean, you, depending on what side of the river you're at, it yeah. depends on if you're baking at the end of the day or or you're in the shade, which is comfortable, you know? I would imagine snakes would be an issue as well. Yeah. Snakes are going to be an issue. So uh, spring, and, spring and fall are the best times yeah, to go. And absolutely. Avoid spring break if at all possible. March, April, May, even into June. Then you go. Then you switch over to September, October, November is hit or miss. Uh, summer, what you're gonna? The biggest thing with summer is you're gonna have that south wind 
pushing you straight up the river. Right? Straight I mean, in your face. Straight in your face. Yeah. You're going to be bucking a wind the whole time, which is going to make uh, fishing a little bit more difficult if you're not bringing a drag. Makes everything difficult. Yeah, just everything. But that, and, but also you can change your trip, you know, um, you can change your trip around. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's many different options. Yeah. You know, so what about, uh, we've got some shuttle info on the website as well. Yeah, we have shuttle. I, you, we've, we've utilized Gerald Bailey, which that, that dude is devil's river when it comes to shuttling. He's been doing it for was he the first in, one that started taking people? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's he's a cool dude. He knows that river well. He protects that river. Does he still guide people down it? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can call. But the thing is, with him, is you can go. There's two options of a trip with him. There's he has a couple other ones, but Baker's down to the marina. And then which and that's, is forty seven. That's where we put in on the first one was the Baker's, Baker's Crossing. Yep. And then you could go from Bakers to Blue Sage, which is a subdivision in the middle of this remote river. But that really, you know, it takes out the fun rapid. It takes out a pretty. It takes out probably the prettiest section of the river, and it takes out a pretty fun where you lost your camera. Yeah, I lost a GoPro and broke a rod but, right below his camp. Yeah, but gerald will take you shuttle you up to baker's drop you in pull you out at his house at blue sage or he will let you go on and pull you back out down at the marina which is rough canyon and that's where we've all that's where we always start our trip now if you go with gerald can you still utilize the state natural areas can you still get the permits and camp at those no do you have to get permits if you go with gerald no with him, like guided but down, or just shuttling him, shuttling. You. No, I mean, look, the guys, permits only basically if you want to use these, if you want to put in at the state natural area. You want to camp on the state, and you want to camp at the state natural area. That's right. So if you want to utilize the designated campgrounds, which is which you pretty much have to nowadays with the landowner stuff. Absolutely, like we went when we went, we we did all of the state park pulled. Um, Permits and all of that. The The thing is about it is, is there is nowhere to camp. I mean, y'all been on the river. It is purple markings all over. Mm-hmm. There's no trespassing signs everywhere. You got landowners that will see you and call you. As much as er- the remoteness of this river is real, it is very remote. But it's very much developed and there's very much people all along the river. You won't go to the Devil's River and not see people like you used to. Yeah. They're going to be there. And, and there's islands, but if you, the islands are only like two inches, like the center rocks. Yeah. They're only about two inches above the water. You get a little rain. And there's a pucker factor to you're that. You're going to wake up with water in your tent. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. And it's and it happens. And it's so popular now that, that the landowners are buckling down even more. Yeah. they. I mean, uh, 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 the last trip I went. When I took my paddleboard down, I was talking to um, Amistad Expedition, the guy there, and I was asking him, I was talking about just camping and just all the different stuff, and we are just chit-chatting. He's an awesome guy. Uh, uh, I was talking to him, and he's like, dude, I've had people come out of the river, and the, 
the police is sitting at their truck at my place what? waiting to issue them a ticket because they didn't camp in the right place. No way. Yeah. So, like, the landowner didn't come down and tell them anything. Like, he just called the cops. The landowner calls the cops and say, there's somebody on the river. And the, the first thing the cops do is call the shuttle guys and say, hey, who's on the river today? Or they call the state parks and say, who's on the river today? And on that permit, you have your phone numbers, you have all the people on there, and everybody gets issued a ticket. And that that leads you to campsites. Let's talk about them. We've had some pretty, I mean, we've stayed at the state parks, which are cool. We've stayed in the islands. You know, sometimes the islands are, I mean, literally, they're an inch off the water, two inches, cobblestone. Um, but we didn't know any better at first. <laughs> huh? I said I would say we almost didn't know any better when we first did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we knew, we knew better. And well, we, we kind of did, but we it was, we, st- we camped everywhere legally. We stayed beyond the what is it the gradient boundary? Yeah, there's a gradient boundary rule in Texas for navigating rivers. Is if you stay in the na- gradient boundary, you you can be in it. You can walk. You can you but can't also, drive though. It's not like a cut and dry. No. It's a the survey. The might think one way, That's you right. might think the other, and, and he's the gonna courts are going to decide. Yeah, and most of the time, <clears throat> if you fought it, you'd probably win. But if it's going to be a pain in the butt, if you're coming from Houston, driving six hours to the Devil's River, mm-hmm. and um, have to go to Hondo to go pay your ticket, yeah, right, <laughs> because there's game wardens on the river. So buy your fishing license, so, right? And don't no, lose the paper. Don't don't pull your stuff out. Okay, tell the story, Mike. You you're the one that lost your fishing license. He did, but he didn't lose it. He thought he only no, thought that he lost it. No, I had a fishing license. That's I know, and you had it with you. I had it with me going on the river. So okay, so our, Mike and Luke, me, Rocky, we all get take a trip down to uh, the Devil's River. I'd been on it before. And so I bring these guys for the first go. And so we put in at Baker's. We're paddling along. And when you put into the river, and at first it's nothing like, at Baker's, it's nothing like the pictures. There's lily pads. It's kind of brownie, yeah, it's brown like water. It looks like all. pond water. You go under. Like, what the hell? Yeah, you go, you, you go under. Yeah, everybody think I'm lying. Full of crap, this beautiful water, you know, <laughs> crystal clear, sapphire, Caribbean-like water. So yes, we go nice. under, and then you come into, you go down a couple of, through these little cane stuff, and it starts opening up, and then there's a big pool. And in the middle of there, there's this uh, platform, right? And at that platform where you're coming in, there were some game wardens right there. They stopped by. And um, they were just talking to us, and they just said, hey, have a good day. Right? And at that time, well, let me fast forward. Did they stop us then? Yeah, they stopped us just to But they didn't check us. our papers They didn't stuff. check anything. It was so, the next day. So the next morning, we camp. The next morning, we wake up, and we come up to fishing, and there's the game wardens. He was like, hey, uh, y'all are fishing, so now we've got we've to gotta check it. So rewind. When, we, when I first saw the game wardens, I pulled all my stuff out to show them my license. And then we paddled on and I left it and I guess it flipped out of the water, in the water. So the next tick, the next shot, he goes, let me see it. And I was like, okay. And I pull it out. 
um, this little watertight container to keep all the little stuff in, right? And I opened it, and there's nothing in it. And I'm like, I have a driver's license, and that's it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I walk up to the guy, and I said, look, I have my fishing license. I said, can you just you, can you call it? And he goes, dude, we have a sat phone. <laughs> There's no cell service on the river. And he goes, we have a sat phone, and that's going to be a, a nightmare. If anybody's ever used a sat phone, they cut in and out. And so if you're in a canyon, so it's picking up one. And if they can't catch that other one, mm-hmm. it's going to lose you, and then you got to call back. And so he's like, I'm not doing with it. He goes, you can, you can take your license up there and get it fixed. But I said, okay, so he gave me a ticket for a fishing license. My first ticket I've ever had in my entire life for anything that has to do with hunting, fishing. Gives me a ticket. I'm distraught. I go, I guess, you know, I'm going fishing, right? And I was like, I said, I guess that means I can't fish anymore. He goes, well, we're the only game wardens on this river today. So just keep fishing. I already gave you a ticket. So just enjoy your time. We understand. We just can't call it in for you. And I, I got back and got it dismissed over at Hondo, and everything was good. But there are game wardens. There are police. There are people watching. I thought you found it later in the trip hidden somewhere else. I, probably. You're, I, I, you, you I don't remember. You ended up putting it in his jacket. Yes, and two days later, right. found it and was like, I had it all along. Yes, you did. <laughs> That is right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you didn't even deserve a ticket. No, but, you know, you're out there and... So, go by the book. Like, don't think you're not going to see anybody on the river. Get your fishing license. Get your papers because they're and, there. And ha- the permits, all of those things, they're very important. We, we camped one time and the, uh, the ranger for the state park came down and talked to us and it's like, I hope you all have a good sleeping bag because it's going to get cold. Oh, yeah, because we were about to light a fire. Yeah, and yes. it was like, and it was, it was a burn band. You can't, it was a burn band. That's right. And, and that was the night that it got like to 30 degrees and we had ice in our kayaks. And the we next morning. Oh, our nuts off. Oh, God. Oh. Was so cold. So let, let's bring that up. Let's talk about shelters then. Okay. Let's talk about the sleep pads. What, uh, look, what tent do you use? Uh, I use a. A very simple one man. I uh, think the, uh, no, the brand limit. no limit is a no limit. The Bass Pro or Academy, Academy Bass Pro brand. brand. Nothing special, but it man, it it, it did the job for me. Yeah, and uh, it was very comfortable, and I still have it. I still yeah. use it. You know, that was years ago that I bought that. I mean, you can't, Mike. You use the Big Agnes, is that right now? No, that's what I have now. But the first trip we went you down, I, I bought. Luke was like, dude, $60 no limit. I was like, I had, the, I had the same one. I still have it. I use a Nemo now on the tent. But the main thing is, is you want a freestanding tent. Because yeah. there's, I mean, there's no trees for hammocks. There's there's no, you can't drive a stake into the ground. You can get some rocks to like stretch out your, your guidelines. But you, uh, with a tent, you just want something that's going to cover you. You can keep your gear in. Rainproof. Yes. Rainproof. You know, wash your uh, your your rain fly in in rainproofing DWR DWR so you don't get rained on. You know, have a tent big enough where you can fit some of your gear in. You don't want like one of these bivy one man tiny tents. You want to be able to put your gear in with you so it doesn't get wet. Right. We actually had a a, a three man tent that me and you shared. That's on that. right. The first we had trip, that blue did. one on the first trip. Yep. And we shared it. Y'all got the, you got the no limits when we went to the Pecos. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. We, we learned from our mistake, basically. Yeah. Of, of yeah. Sharing Y'all a tent. did share a tent. I forgot about sharing that. Sharing a tent, we're brothers. 
Yeah, and, Luke, Luke and I are brothers. But, you know, I recommend your own. It's it's You can stay warmer, actually. True. In and, a small tent. Yeah. The, you know, like when you first get in, let, let's talk about the trip option. So you have, let's just rewind a little bit because we got ahead. But you go from, you can go to Baker's. You go to Baker's to the state, to um, SNA. You can go from SNA to SNA. But there's two. There's a north unit and a south unit. You can go to Baker's to Blue Sage. You can go to SNA down to Marina. And all of that's on the webpage. But, but if you want to stay at the SNAs, you can't put it at Baker's, right? You can if you get the permits. Okay. But the campsites are very limited. So if you have a big group and a bunch of tents, you could be in mesquite trees next to cactuses, yeah. all of that. Um, and so you want to kind of limit your groups because I think it's a – I think four is the best. Six is doable, but it get, it starts getting a little crowded, you know. And then you go back to the tents and the campsites. You, if you're camping on one of those islands, right, mm-hmm. and you got a bunch of tents or these big tents or these uh, tarps or something like that, it's it, crowded. You're you're gonna so it, just consult the uh, the Texas Wildlife and Fisheries website for that. They've got a great map that kind of lays yep. out where all the the SNAs are and where the designated camping camping areas are, and that's your best bet on that. Um, yep. What does SNA stand for? State, State Natural State. Area. Right. Gotcha. So, uh, do you want to talk about kayaks a little bit, just briefly? We're not going to get into brands, but I, th- I think it's more about make sure you have a durable kayak. Yeah. Yeah, because it's make what's, sure the, what's the type it. of rock? Uh-huh. What is it? Limestone. The, li- the limestone on there. The limestone I mean, flutes. Yeah. Or not flutes, but they have little. Freaking! It's like a cheese grater, really. Yeah, that would like, be a good. It literally, literally looks like a cheese grater. If you look at it, and it'll just sit there and shave away plastic. It's like going over oyster reefs for five days. Yeah. Depending on the river levels, but even at good river levels, you're going to do some dragging. You're going to be dragging. And you're going to be bumping point. rocks. Especially so, especially if you, dra- if you pack too much. So a canoe or a sit-on-top kayak. You don't want a sit-inside kayak because they fill up with water. Right, you're going to be bailing water. It's not like you can roll over because it's a pretty shallow river. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can flip. Yeah. Some of us have flipped. Yeah. But but basically, you want dry storage for all your stuff. Dry bags. I use, I have two dry bags that I carry. One is for my camping stuff and one's for my food. Mm And I separate those two. And then I have a third small one for uh, like a day stuff. Yeah. And then in clothes and stuff like that that I pack in my hole. I use a Jackson Cusa. Mike's used several different on Yeah, there. I've used a, a Wilderness Systems Ride 135. I've been down in the Cusa as well. But, like, the reason for the dry bags is because you can, if you don't have a lot of in-hole kayak storage, which a lot of the sit-on-tops don't, yeah, you can just put your stuff in dry bags and just bungee it down on the back, and it's going to keep your stuff dry. And you're not trying to cram everything down into the kayak. I, I would say in general, you're looking for a a sit on top kayak that is shallow running, sturdy, yes. comfortable seat, and has fairly decent storage that goes down inside. You don't want to be packing a lot of stuff on top of your kayak because in some of the rapids and uneasy stuff, you're the more you have on top, the more tippage you have yeah yeah uh, stability is a big thing especially 
because also you know the water's cleared for fishing which we'll, we'll dive more into the fishing later but it's nice to be able to stand up in your kayak true you know so, so stability is also good for the rapids you know we'll talk more about the fishing later but the uh the stability is big for some of the rapids and um you know, e- even your, fi- you do a lot of sight fish on Yeah, there. and even your bargain brand kayaks nowadays, like the bargain ones that you could get back when we did it, weren't necessarily the best for that. But, I mean, even now you can go to Academy or Bass Pro and pick up the Ascend or the Pelican or, or whatever they're making nowadays. And some of the Oceans. And the Ocean cheap. kayaks, like they've really stepped their game up as far as stability and, and comfortable seats and durability as well. Um so there's a lot of good options out there to get you on the river. You can go down in a canoe. You know, you can rent a canoe. You can borrow a kayak. Amistad, if, you, if you're taking Amistad Expedition, uh, even Real Fly, I believe, they, they rent out. You can rent a Jackson Cusa. Yeah. Um, that they supply all the stuff for, minus your dry bags and gear and all of that. Really? And you can rent those for the trip. Yeah, so you don't have to go out and buy a brand new kayak. You can rent one. You can get on Craigslist, find you a used one. This doesn't have to be a bank-breaking expensive trip to to get on. No. You can can rent a kayak. So so people that are skeptical, right, of the river because it's the remoteness, the dangers, the, the fear people put in, you know, rapids, I mean, we don't, it's not a big whitewater community in Texas, A. So a lot of the people that I know are more worried about the rapids and portaging and all of this kind of stuff. So really, I mean, experience-wise, when you first went into this, right, I I gave you, it it was remote when we went. It wasn't the, I mean, it wasn't the system we have today. So when we went there, I mean, there was a little skepticism going in, especially when you first see some of those rapids. Yeah, there wasn't that much info out there mm-hmm. like there is now. But, I mean, for a beginner, mm-hmm. could you, would you take a beginner on this river? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just you, you just got to be careful. I wouldn't I wouldn't take, I wouldn't say, hey, you know, four beginners that have never been on a river before, go down this river. No. You know, uh, but, you know, if you've been in a kayak before, you can do it, even if you've never done a river. Yeah. If you know your way around a kayak, just be careful. You know, check the rapids and stuff. But, you know, the gear's not really that that intense. You know, like, you... Uh, you need a tent. You need a tent. You, we covered tents. Uh, oh, we didn't cover sleep, sleep. Sleep Sleep system is probably, I think, probably the most... I would rather go with no tent, no anything... But I would definitely have a good sleep pad. I would agree. That's <laughs> probably that's yeah because you're on rocks, right? And you're paddling, you know, eight ten a miles cloth. a day and a ground cloth. Yeah, eight. You're paddling eight ten miles a day, and if you're not used to that, you're going to be whipped. Especially if the water levels are low, you're going to be dragging a lot, and you're going to be wore out at the end of the day. Don't bring one of these self-inflating or non-inflating foam pads and think you're going to get a good night's sleep. Unless you won't. Just a beast. No, the ground's uneven. It's bedrock. It's ground uneven. It's jagged. There's also little thorns all over the place. And I've slept on the rocks. Mike slept on the rocks. Not by choice. My <laughs> because they're pads, inferior pads, not protecting the ground with yeah. a ground cloth. 
will leave you sleeping on the rocks or airing up your uh, mattress all night yep. multiple times. And that really will, like, after three or four days on the river, you will definitely oh, feel it. And I think that's probably what I've noticed a lot is when people, from the people that say, man, this was a really difficult trip, to the people that go, hey, they go out there, bring their ice chest, bring bring steaks, bring that, is the comfort level of how you sleep, mm-hmm. how far you go, how much time you give yourself for those days makes it a hard trip. You can make it the hardest trip of your life or you can make it just a nice, easy paddle yep. w- with good friends and, and enjoy the whole time. Because a good night's sleep. And sharing is going to make you, you're going to be refreshed because, you know, there's a lot of miles, you know, if you're going with a bunch of people, there's a lot of coordinating, you know, you've got to work together as a team. And if you're grumpy and you're not getting enough sleep, it's just going to cause difficulties within the group and arguing. And that's just something that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we avoid it. We have, we've been on a lot of trips together, Mike. We avoid it with understanding our adventure partner i guess is what you say you know we set we set a time to leave in the morning mm-hmm. so somebody you don't feel rushed when you get up because a lot of times everybody's trying to get there done faster than the next guy mm-hmm. if you just say okay we're all on the river at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or seven o'clock it allows everybody to get up and deal with their stuff the way they want it and then you're on the water because it, it's a small river I mean, it's a long ways, but a small river, and you want to be out there fishing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody wants to be out there fishing, but if if you are if you schedule and you time and you pace yourself, I think mm-hmm. it makes it a bigger trip. Mike, on one hand, Mike will will be five hours behind schedule. He'll still be yeah, right outside of camp in the morning if I didn't pace him. Right, he would have okay. We got ten miles to go, and it's five o'clock in the evening. Right, if you let him. Me if, on the if other I hand, give you a good fishing hole. Me on the other hand, I'd be at the end and go, oh shoot, I forgot to fish. Right, and between the two of us, we kind of have a plan going down that river to say, okay, day one, we're gonna get ten miles. Day two, we're gonna do five miles. Day three, we're gonna do fifteen miles. Day four, we're gonna do five miles. And then that way we can, everybody kind of, we know what we're doing. But we've been down these rivers, so we know where to fish, where not to. Right. We know where we want to be versus where we don't want to be. Right. But if you look at the what the parks recommend, that's going to give you your time and realize how fast you need to go. How long mm-hmm. is it going to take you? Pace yourself. Got you know? And And then you're going to have more of an enjoyable time with everybody. So right. if somebody's struggling and needs the portage, right? Because there's going to be times you're on these rivers and one guy can't make it, and it's okay. If everybody helps that guy out to get him through those portages yep. or to help him through or, or teach him how to run through those. So don't don't leave anybody behind, like basically. Like yeah, you, you, want, you want to wait for them at any hazards, any, any and, rapids. And I think that's why a group of four is good because two guys mm-hmm. can be up ahead, two guys can be behind, the and but you have – these certain points that you meet at certain mm-hmm. times of the day, you're going to be there. Yeah, and with with you know with the group of four, because there's a lot of you're not going to pass up Dolan Falls by yeah, yourself, right? And you know with with bringing more people, there's a lot of like little camp duties, 
Yeah. You know, like little things. Water. Getting, water. You know, that that's, that's actually next on the list is, is water filters. You know, water filtration because you can try and pack all the water you need for the trip, but that's a lot of unnecessary weight because you can drink the water out of the river if you filter it. Yeah. There's springs. It's tough to find the springs sometimes and, the, you know, you don't want to rely on them. Um, but the water's good. The water's it's good. good. I, you, there's a lot of different water filtration things out there yeah uh we've tried the squeeze we've tried uh you know we've done the iodine tablets the pumps the pumps um what we've kind of settled what we actually bought for the first trip by luck you know we just happened to buy a sawyer gravity filter and we've been using it ever since we've used it on the devils the pecos we used it hunting elk in the mountains um and it's got like kind of a small bag, but you, you, you fill it up and then you just kind of set it on a rock and hang it up and it just gravity filters into the clean bag. Yep. But one of the issues we ran into was that you kept having to fill it up because it only holds like two liters. And so Luke one day had this genius idea because he, he wanted to take a shower on the river. Is that why you brought it? Yeah, no, I did, bought it. Uh, did you bring it to take showers? You bathe, you bathe in the river. Yeah. Uh, no, it was to it was for that purpose. It was for mm. it was to house uh, water, like non-polluted so water, so that we didn't have to, you know, go far. Because depending on where your camp is, it may be in a a stagnant water area. Mm. Yeah, because the edges. What's funny is is the edges of the river have like I mean it just has a bunch of silt on the edges. Yeah, so the second you, so the second you put in a water because the water is always a topic when you're on these rivers yeah you're talking about water the whole it's time it's hot it's windy you're paddling so you're thirsty you're always thirsty and you always need a filter and it sucks at the end of the day filtering water is the worst thing you can the worst thing about the trip but it's the biggest to cop conversation so do, do we have we didn't have that on the first time we went that's Not why you brought it when we went down the pecos yeah correct right because we got tired of filling up that damn two liter thing. Cause when it comes time to cook, everybody needs, you know, half a liter of water. So how, you need for the water for a day, each person's going to be at least a gallon, a gallon and a half. Not if, including cooking water. No, that's just hydration. Yeah. Because water. a lot of times it is hot. When you go, yeah. it is hot out there. There's no shade. The wind is blocked or it's in your face. Yeah. One of the two you're, and so you're going to need a gallon, gallon and a half per day to cook if you're if you're dehydrated mm-hmm. for meals and stuff so like that. So what was that thing you got, Luke? It was a a shower bag. Yeah. I forget the name, but yeah, it's basically from Academy. And it holds five liters. It's that Coleman brand. No, it's more than that. It's a Coleman brand no, shower dude, bag. No, that's like five gallons. It was five gallons. Yeah. And I bought two of them, I believe. We really had one for dirty water one for clean water. Yeah. We would take... The dirty water and run it through the the gravity filter, and as as that that bag that clean water bag filled up, we'd fill up the the big water, or we'd fill up everybody's now jeans and yep. uh, camel packs, and we yep. would just. Well, the first thing we did as soon as you got to camp was pull your boat out of the water, start start filtering water. Yeah, go if you had clean water there. And if not, we'd go walk downstream or upstream right. to find some. But that turbulent. was the first responsibility, and then. Throughout the night, you just kept filtering water until 
until basically you had no more places to store water. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you always needed water. Because you don't want to screw with it in the morning. Because no. you, as soon as you get up, you want coffee. Because yeah. you probably stayed up too late around the campfire BSing. <laughs> Having a little whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, but like, that comes to it. We each, we would always split up the duty. Every day, somebody had water duty. Yep. Every day, somebody had firewood if, if it was allowed at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all cleaned up our camps together. But you, you split up those duties throughout the day. We also have shared gear. We also have shared gear um, where, like, Luke would string up a, a clothesline because you're wet the whole entire day. Yeah, Luke was the clothesline, man. Yeah. Luke, Luke kind of has some tricks on the clothesline. Dude, tell him about your clothesline because it is, when we first decided it was a paracord, and then you've actually developed this over time, which is actually pretty cool. I'm trying to remember where I'm at now with it, because every trip I change it <laughs> but up. Well, let's talk about where you are today versus when you were, you started. All right. I think today I've gone even more simple, and it's basically, I think it's whatever string. No, I have I have one string that I, I, that I keep rolled up in my bag, in my... It's probably fifty. Bag. You you need yeah, fifty it's, feet it's, at it's, least. It's it's paracord because I've gone the cheap route. Uh, paracord doesn't twist as much. It's easier to wound up. It lasts longer. Uh, but as far as the line is cool. The line but, is cool. But as far as because on the Pecos, not the Pecos. We're talking about the Devils. On the Devils River, uh, there is a lot of wind. So if you hang your clothes up, they're gonna blow down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best. You know, wooden clothespins, they just normally, they don't hold tight enough. Mm-hmm. So I bought office clips, the metal black clips. Yeah. Uh, and I bought the little small ones, not the big ones, the little ones, because they're lightweight, they're small, and they, they hold perfectly. And you can slide them up and down the... You can slide them up and down, and I just leave them on the line. Reel it up, you know, at the end of the day, have them all at the end. Uh because your clothes are all wet at the end of the day, either yeah. from sweating or walking in the water. And you don't want to have to pack wet a clothes. new change of clothes every day. Right. You know, you want to be able to dry your pants out, dry your drawers out, you know, just, or if it rains, you, you got to be able, you got to want, you want dry stuff. Yeah. yeah. You're going to want, you. I don't know if y'all want to talk about clothes, but having an extra change of clothes, as soon as you get to camp, first thing you want to do yeah, typically you camp clothes. is put on camp clothes. Put on dry clothes, which is typically the clothes you wore mm-hmm. the day before yeah. that you dried out throughout the night. Mm-hmm. So you take off your wet clothes, hang them on the clothesline, which hanging the clothesline is always a challenge because there's, there's no trees, no trees. bushes. You basically find some sort of bush or rock or whatever you can. Paddles. I think we used paddles at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tied some paddles together somehow. But um, good clothesline, paracord, 50 feet. Uh, a couple of office clips, you know, mm-hmm. about three or four per person that's on your trip. Mm-hmm. Wind that up, throw it in the bottom of your hole. You can throw it up there and it dries your clothes out because it is very important because otherwise it's going to be mildewy by day three. Yeah. You know, camp also. Camp is the big lure of the river along with the water quality and the fishing. And we will... We're about to get to the fishing. Yeah, I'm ready to talk about fishing. But we got to talk about cook stove, co- cooking, cooking, and clothes. That's and, we get covered. And that. a lot of times is we bring, we bring one stove. We all share. I think two is better having one per 
sometimes my yeah because when you're hungry I'll you're hungry for, yeah and you don't want to have to be waiting for each person to boil water yeah to to, to, eat. to eat so two's ideal and when you're going down the devil's like it's not that long of a trip a jet boil weighs like what two pounds two pounds with max fuel. and that's with your fuel you only need maybe one big canister right if for cooking coffee it covers everything because you're not having to boil water yeah. for drinking I, Bring, I always say bring one canister per two people per five days. Right. And right? That, that covers you. We've never and that's, and we don't run out. running out. No. And we never run out. You know, I think a canister can – I use canisters a lot. And that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. for cooking, you can bring boil, like a little – Something to boil water with. A jet boil is a lot nicer. I've seen people bring all sorts of stoves on these rivers. And from the ones that take 10, 15 minutes, not going to mention any names – um, but if you're listening, you know who you are. <laughs> it's a funny story for another day. Um, but a jet boil works real well, boils water in two, three minutes. Yeah. And if you're thinking steaks or anything, which we've brought, we've brought Freezing coolers beforehand. before, you know, we've brought bag coolers and frozen the steaks and kept them there to where they're thawed. Uh, we've had, we've had brought like a little grill, yep. you know, from our, uh, Bar- barbecue old smoky. Yeah, you bring your old smoky grill from home, strap it on the back of your kayak, and if you can build a fire, if there's no burn ban, you can just set that on some rocks, cook some steaks. So let, let, that that's camping. That's kind of logistics. Like I said, you can always go back to the webpage. It brings all that little stuff up. But yeah, fishing, we got to cover clothing okay. real quick with weather and stuff because we had some. We had so it was long hot during pants, the day. Long sleeve. Yeah, it was definitely and, worth it. And, Stuff that dries quick, you know. Synthetic we had a material. guy, we had a guy come down the river with us, and he showed up in blue jeans and tennis shoes, but not and on tennis purpose. Shoes. He was intending to wear shorts, but when we got there, it was forty degrees. That's yes. right. So that's all he so had. All he had to stay warm was jeans. So he Wait. spent most of the trip in blue jeans until I gave him nightmare. my pair of pants. Yeah. yeah. So and get you some nice dry fit type. You know, you can get cheap Magellan stuff from Academy. And that's what I wore for the first few trips was Magellan zip-away pants. I wore board and shorts. They fine. Board shorts, um, convertible yeah. pants, lightweight synthetic fishing shirts. Synthetic shirts. Dry fit underwear is yes. very, very important. Under Armour or whatever you can get. Make sure you bring your toothbrush and deodorant for your friends. Yeah, and lotion. Lotion. Freaking lotion your because hands the will water trash dries your skin out. So bad. Yeah, it does. We were begging for, for lotion. I would say Vaseline just are all around for mm-hmm. yeah. Butch, Chapstick, butt sun, yeah. sunscreen is. Mike and I ran out of sunscreen yeah. that one trip. And a beanie. Bring a beanie. Just like just have some like emergency warm clothes. Warm clothes. Like you can you can even bring like some long johns and vacuum seal them. Yeah. And they pack down tight. It doesn't take up much room, but just. Check the weather and be prepared that even though it's April in South Texas, yeah, it changes. It'll get to thirty degrees, and you'll be miserable if you don't have just something to bundle up in. Yeah, and and you realize you're in the desert. You're pulling from a lower elevation. You're also pulling from a city, which temperatures are usually about five or six degrees cooler out there at night than anywhere else. Um, safety, safety gear. Safety gear. You know, uh, life jacket. Um, you want everybody should have a spare paddle per two paddlers. You need at least they do break. I broke a on my devil's paddleboard trip. I brought broke a paddle 
Mike's broken a paddle on other trips. Uh, and so you want that throw rope. You definitely. First aid. Did you say first aid kit? First aid kit. Uh, whistles. Um, check the. There's some required safety gear. Make sure you do that. There's required gear for this river. Go check the site. Look at it. It's required. Bring it. Like I said, they will find out. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have the link to the Texas Wildlife yeah. and Fisheries on our show notes. Uh, we'll have all that stuff for you, so we can. But you, there, you can visit another invaluable that. is a piece of rope tied to your kayak about 10, 15 feet long, that is rolled up. I use a dog leash. Mike uses an old ski rope. Yeah, you can use a ski handle or just a little wooden dowel you can use with a paracord hole. with a PVC pipe yeah, at the I, end. Yeah, just I something to drag your kayak with. Daniel's. I use uh, a 110 pound dog retractable dog leash. That's I the clip. Best. I clip it straight up to the front. I put it under the bungees in the front, and anytime I have to get out, I grab it. It retracts back on itself. It's not all tangled up by your feet. It's. It's probably the best thing I've ever bought for these rip type of river trips. It helps you line the. It helps you line. It helps you portage. It helps you get in and out. You can also hook it to your belt loop when you're wade fishing, and it goes on. It's an invaluable thing. Portaging. It, it's gonna happen because you have to go down Dolan. If you're going down Dolan, I put some stuff on the on the web page about it. But portage to your right. Everybody goes to the left. The ride is much easier to get all that stuff. It's multi-layered, so you can do that. I wouldn't attempt to run Dolan unless you have full whitewater gear and uh, whitewater rescue people around. Mm-hmm. It's a dangerous hydraulic. It's not worth it. Uh, three tiers is a pretty cool rapid. You're going to go in right. It's going to hard 90, and then it's going to drop into a series of small drops. Uh at higher water levels, that thing can be very dangerous going in when you're entering in. Um, portaging that rapid is a pain in the rear. Uh, They're all runnable, though, except but, for Dolan. Everything's runnable. Yeah, everything's runnable. Some of them are not easier. That dangerous. Overall. What's the name of that last rapid? Dandridge. The, I lost my GoPro and broke a rod. I think rapid. that's Dandridge Falls. That one, that no, one, that's Blue Sage. That's at Blue Sage. Yeah, that one sneaks up on you. And that, that you don't one, see it coming because it's long and it's a slow drop. And then like there's some boulders at the end where you your kayak can get pinned against them. Yep, that's and a just yard flip sale. you real quick. There's a guy. There's a guy that watches every paddler. I think go through that and then goes and gets their yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's probably got my GoPro, my rod. Guaranteed. Um, that is Dandridge Falls. Yeah. That's probably, out of all the rapids on there, that one's probably the absolute funnest. If you go with Gerald Bailey, you miss it. Yeah, that's true. Um, Sycamore Shoot Rapid at high water can be pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, there's four, five major hazards on that river. The rest of them are all class one, class two, very simple. Yeah, and they're all marked on the map that you can find on and, the, on the yep. webpage. And you, and you can pretty much tell when you're coming up to them. Um, so it's nothing to worry about. Now, fishing might. Now, this is, is why everybody comes. Fishing. This is why everybody comes to the river. It's smallmouth bass. Yeah, freaking smallmouth. There's smallmouth bass in South Texas, and they got big ones. Do we know why? They're because the water temperature is, because it's our spring-fed river, and so the water temperature stays a constant. It never gets too hot, because smallmouth bass can't handle yeah, a certain high temperature, and yeah. and I don't know that much about them, but I know that they live there, 
and that's you can what catch it, them. And it's awesome. It's it, it was it was great the first time we went. They were everywhere. You could sight fish them. I mean, they got large mouth too. Don't get me wrong. You you can you can catch the large mouth too. Like especially right when you first get so on the I, river. How are you going to catch them? How do you what what's your trick? Man, anything like a crawfish imitating bait is is a can't miss. Uh, you know, brush hog. Uh, we used a lot of brush hogs. Um, Kytex. We used a lot of swim baits. A lot of a lot of like watermelon swim baits. You know, not real big. You know, three and a half, four and a half inch swim baits, and we did real well on that the first year. It got considerably tougher when we went back in October. We caught, we still caught a ton of fish. I think we caught a lot more on flukes that year. Mm-hmm. Well, everything's watermelon, pretty much just watermelon, watermelon seed, watermelon red. And I think if I was to go back this year with all the pressure. I would probably downsize. I would go with lighter line uh, and smaller lures, yeah. just just more finesse presentations, and just be careful around the rocks, you know, because they'll yeah. get you in the rocks and they can break you off. Because yeah. those freaking river bass are so strong. A two pound bass fights like a five pound lake bass on the river, and smallmouth are just beasts. If you've never caught smallmouth bass. You'll fall in love with them the first one you hook up with. That you think you get one hooked up, you start reeling them in, they jump, they jump, and then you get them close to you, think you're about to lip them, and they're like, uh uh-uh, uh, sucker. And they just take off running. It's awesome. Talk about where you where you find them at. Where, where yeah, do so you look for them at? They don't necessarily, you, you're not just going to pull up on the river and just fish everywhere and catch fish. The best spots that we found, the deep holes, anywhere you come up with deep holes. And once you get to the river, you'll kind of understand more. But there's like a lot of like overhangs under the water and like little areas where the fish can hide and get out of the shade. Um, you know, in the shallower water, the deep holes, any holes after a rapid where the water's kind of churning and the fish can kind of get behind a boulder or something just out of the current and catch anything that's washing through. So, like, anytime you're coming to a rapid, go through the rapid and immediately pull over on the bank. Yeah. You know, or or just kind of ease off to the side. Don't paddle through because the water's crystal clear. And we noticed that, like, if you float over that clear pool, the fish, I don't know if they know you're there, but they see something and they get skittish and they all disappear. So, if you can pull over and just kind of fish it from the side or stop before the rapid yep. and walk up and fish it from the edge you know we got we caught some of our best fish pulling our kayaks over and fishing from the bank or standing on the rocks yeah and sometimes even go through those smaller rapids to the deeper pools fish before you even run the rapid yeah you know because just you're gonna hit rocks you're gonna make noise and those fish now know what a kayak is Mm -hmm. and when they hear that that dragging through it's over yep because most of the time, you're going to get out and you're going to go scout these rapids anyway. We, we highly recommend it so you can find your best your best route through the, yeah. through the rocks. So just bring your fishing pole with you. You walk to the end and you see, oh, look, there's a hole here. Just stop and fish it for a few minutes. So where would you not fish? Because there's plenty of places you fish and go, why would I? You spend a lot of time. Because it's so beautiful. Man, it's hard and to And you're say. just like, there's got to be fish in there. And there's just no fish. Man, it, I'll tell you, I'm not going to tell you where not to fish, but where to fish is those deep holes 
anytime there's another creek or something or another cut entering the river, yeah. anytime there's just like a little point or like a little offshoot from the river, fish there. Uh, My favorite is the cobblestone bottom areas. Yeah. With the bigger boulders. Yes. There's about boulders. three or four sections that have this real pretty co- cobblestone mm-hmm. with these bigger boulders. Hitting that is is money. And then there's the deep pools with the big boulders below. Yep. And dragging up, dragging right on the base of those. Because they'll get up, they get up underneath those rocks. They get up underneath the overhangs. Anywhere where there's like a shady spot where they can kind of hide to ambush the bait fish or kind of look for crawfish, that's where they're going to be. Yeah. And just, it's awesome. Yeah. But bring a lot of baits. Bring a lot of baits because you never know what they're going to hit on. You know, we, the first time we went, Rocky was hammering them <laughs> on this green freaking swim bait that he bought at the gas station that we stopped at on the way to the river. And it was this swim bait that none of us, none of us really brought swim baits. It's about eight inches long. No, it wasn't that big. I, I have a pack of them because when we went back oh, yeah, in October, right. I brought like four packs of them, and yeah. I've never caught a fish on them since. But it was just this little green freaking swim bait, and Rocky was hammering them on it, and nobody else had swim baits. And that's actually like where I got turned on to swim baits was from that. Yeah. But we ended up catching them on brush hogs and other stuff. But yeah, just bring a, a variety of different things. We didn't really throw many crankbaits or anything. I've seen people catching them on crankbaits and yeah, stuff. spinners and stuff. Spinnerbaits and stuff, but I just... There's some, there's some topwater action if the, the if you get, catch those days where there's no wind. Yeah. Yeah, but, and by the, by the state natural area, uh, yeah. the main... What is that one called? Uh, the the uh, Devil's Del SNA. Norte. It's Del the, Norte SNA. They've got a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of grass beds and yeah. stuff. The water gets kind of calm there. You can't... You, you can fish there. there for hours. Yeah, you can get there early and set up camp and then put your kayaks back in and fish up and down this area and we caught a ton in there. Yeah, and there there's two there's two main camps that you can do just that is like get to them and have all day fishing. That's at both state natural areas. They have big pools right out front that you can fish for hours on end. You know, like Mike and I went the second day and we camped just so we could fish those pools full days because there's a lot of it there. So, um, you know, final thoughts, everybody? Like, gear recommendation? Yeah, we'll just uh, run through that idea. real quick. We're kind of we're kind Luke, of running out of time. you fired off. What would be your number one recommendation you tell somebody? Well, I, first thing I want to I do is say that don't get intimidated by this river by any means. Me and Mike, when we first went on it, I don't think we paddled two miles i don't think i've ever been in a kayak before uh other than practicing in the one i bought to go on the river i paddled some canoe trips and that's about it but it's not intimidating it it set me on a path like with adventure and going down rivers that you know just changed my life but yeah the devil's river is a great river to go on for beginners it's not as hard as a lot of people make it seem uh gear wise don't stress about things. Uh, a tent is is a big thing, but don't spend a lot of money. You can do it with a Walmart tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, sleep pad, I would say spend some money on a sleep pad because it is worth every single penny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, shoes, I would spend money on some shoes, on some water shoes. 
because having having good grip on the rocks and being comfortable throughout the day because you spend a lot more time on your feet than you think. Yeah, for uh, sure. So shoes are, are, are probably, I guess, would be more, one of my recommendations to look into and try out. Mike? Yeah, uh, like Luke's, I'll reiterate, reiterate a little bit of what Luke said. Just just get out and do it, you know. it. You don't have to spend a ton of money. It's a freaking blast. The scenery is unbelievable. The water's beautiful. The fishing's great. Uh, I'll leave you with a, a little tip. If you don't want to break rods, figure out a way to strap your rods to your kayak in kind of like along the hole. I, I rigged up a way to strap my ki- strap my rods onto my kayak. I like cut some PVC pipe in half, about six inch, uh, six inch long piece of about some, some two inch PVC pipe. And I screwed it down to the front of my kayak to where I could slip the tips of my rods inside the little half PVC pipe and then strap it down back next to my seat. And I didn't do this the first trip and I broke two rods. Don't stick them in the, the rod holders in the back. Just don't have them laying in your feet because there's cane fields and there's these little shoots that you go through and there's pieces of cane hanging over and they're going to grab your rod, they're going to grab your lure, and they're going to snap it. And if you flip, it's going to fall out. So rig you something up. A lot of the kayaks nowadays have them. They have little tip protectors. That's huge. And it'll save you a lot of money and a lot of heartache and broken rods. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, I'm going to add to Mike's. You can look at like the the Jackson Cusa HD has them designed on there. Look at that. Rig something up like that for yourself, and that'll save you a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. But when you get off the river, mm-hmm. uh, I would say for me is is that this river means so much to so many people. And you can see that by there's not a lot of information out there. And we're doing this because it means a lot to me to be able to share these experiences with others. And but you got to respect it. It means so much to so many that are willing to call the cops on you. They're willing not to tell you any information. They're willing to do everything to keep you off of it because of the spe- because it is a special place. Mm-hmm. It will change you. It will give you a sense of accomplishment. It will test you, but it'll also be your best friend. You will dream about it from the day you get off, and I guarantee you the first things people are going to say is, let's go back, let's start over, let's do it again, let's do it better. But the only way you'll ever get to do that is if you respect it. You respect the property rights along the river. You uh, you respect the, the permit system. You respect the shuttle system. And you follow the rules. The rules are don't camp on pr- private property. It's not your property. Don't camp on it. Don't test it. Do not trash that river up. You drink from it. That means don't crap in it. Don't piss in it. Don't do any of those things. Because it is your river. It's everybody's. 
people aren't going to respect it, even though we say so. And everybody wants to. Pick up other people's stuff. Throw it in the trash can. Put it in your kayak and throw it away when you get home. Don't leave it out there. You know, all of that. Catch the fish. Put them back in there. Just respect the river. Everything about it. When you leave, you'll understand why. Yeah, it's you, not that hard. You know, no. it, it, it's easy. You've got plenty of room in your kayak. If you see some trash, pick it up. If you're burning, if you're burning your trash, if you can have a fire, make sure that it's all burned up. And if it's not, just grab the bits. Have a special bag. Make one guy the trash bitch. <laughs> yeah, each day. That's right. Each day, yeah. make him the trash bitch. Yep. Everybody carry a little trash. It's gonna stink up inside your kayak. Just deal with it. It's worth it for this experience. Yeah, I can't thank Daniel enough for introducing us to this because this was like the first thing that Luke and I ever did, like adventure-wise, like this. And like Luke said, it, it started us on a path of just you know chasing things like this, getting out there, and it, it's a trip you won't regret. No, it's it. Like I said, it's the it's one of the best places. In Texas, it's not a secret anymore. And uh, but if you want it to, if you want to be able to go there, you're going to respect it because those landowners around there are powerful and they will change the rules. And so, they look at look at the permit system as a way that it doesn't become the Frio, the Guadalupe, or all the other rivers in Texas. Mm-hmm. Look at it as a way to keep it wild. And the only way to do that is to respect it all the way through. Yep. Uh, if so, yeah. you have any other questions, you're more than welcome to contact us. Refer to the webpage. We have a lot of good information on there. It will take you to all the other sites that have the information mm-hmm. on it. It's a one-stop shop kind of deal for everybody involved, and we'll be happy. We've got gear list on the site, everything else, and we'd be happy to like put a plan together for you and your group and get you down that river however many days you need and put you in the best spots and uh, help you along the way. So, yeah, just get out there and get after it. And leave no trace. Leave no trace. For more information, check out www.adventureonoutdoors.com. If you want to see some videos of our trips, some pictures, YouTube, YouTube, this stuff, yada, yada, yada. Check out the show show notes. Thank you for listening to the Adventure On Podcast. Please leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We would love to hear from you. If you would like to keep up with our adventures, you can go to our website at www.adventureonoutdoors.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at adventure underscore on underscore outdoors. Also on Facebook and YouTube, Adventure On Outdoors. Thanks for listening.